So during worship, a pastor asked his congregation to give a little extra in a special offering. And he announced that whoever gave the most would be able to pick out three hymns. After the collection, the pastor noticed that there was a $100 bill in one of those plates. And so he wanted to uh, thank the person in front of the congregation and ask the individual to identify themselves. A little elderly widow raised her hand. He brought her up, he thanked her in front of everybody, and he said, as promised, you can now pick out three hymns. Her eyes brightened as she pointed to three men in the congregation and said, I want him and him and him. (laughs) So, in the eyes of that elderly widow, that $100 bill was worth it. In the eyes of Almighty God, you... You are worth it. You are worth the life of his one and only son. First John 4 verse 10. Would you read this with me please? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' death on the cross was the most costly payment ever. But God paid it. Why? Because it was worth it. It was worth it. And because of that payment, now anybody, anybody at all, by the Holy Spirit's power and faith, can enjoy God's grace and forgiveness and a blessing-filled relationship with him. We are starting this brand new series called It's Worth It. You're going to hear that statement again and again. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for the people that you know? Whether you know them or they're just complete strangers, those people around you that you meet in and out of a given day. You're going to hear that statement repeated. It's worth it. You're going to hear that again and again. And and what that means for us as a congregation. You're going to hear that because, because our mission, okay, what God has called us to do, even though our mission isn't easy, it's worth it. Our values, why we do what God is calling us to do, even though our values can be difficult to live out day after day, guess what? It's worth it. So what I want to do today is I want to start off by helping you look at something we already have. And it's God's mission to this congregation that he gave way back when it was founded. Same mission that he's given to us today, just worded a little bit differently. And so you know God's mission. If When we talk about mission, we're talking about what it is God wants us to do. All right. To discover that, though, we need to figure out what makes Royal Redeemer unique, makes us who we are. What is it about our people and our ministries that makes us different than, say, St. John Lutheran in Strongsville or St. Mark's in Brunswick or even Heartland or Grace or St. Albert's? And based on this unique makeup of who we are at Royal Redeemer, we've discovered that God is calling us to help people exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. That's the what. That is what God is calling us as a church to do, to help people exchange everyday life, which can be mundane and routine and painful and difficult and lacking purpose and direction and exchanging it for contagious Christian community where people experience a community of brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to love them and encourage them and support them and, and serve them. A community where others in turn are going to become contagious and they're going to love and encourage and support and serve people around them. It just, you know, just keeps going. So this is really, it's an exchange, an exchange of the everyday for the eternal. 
It's an exchange of our sinful, broken lives for a faith-filled, lifelong relationship with Jesus filled with joy and peace and power that never ends. So this is a good exchange, right? This is a good exchange. It's a good swap, good trade, and it's worth it. So that's the what. Okay, that's what it is that God is calling us to do. Help people exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. Now we need to look at why. Why in the world should we do that? The why represents our values. The reason why we want to help people exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community is because God offers us a love that's worth demonstrating, a journey that certainly is worth walking, a truth that is worth holding, a message that's worth sharing, and a joy that is worth living. And based on those five values, I think you can see there are plenty of reasons why making this exchange is worth it. So today we're going to kick things off. We're going to look at the first of these five values. We're going to look at over these next five weeks, five values. Today we're looking at the first one, which is a love worth demonstrating. And to do that, I want to talk about God's love for you and me. And we see God's love throughout scripture. First John 4, 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. If you have your sermon outline out, write down that word showed. Because God didn't just say he loved you. Oh, no. He showed it. He showed it by the cross of his son who paid for your sins. Why? Because you're worth it. Second verse, 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love of the father that we should be called children of God. If you have your sermon outline out, write down the word children, because God doesn't just love. He wants a family to love. And it just amazes me that God would, the the creator of all things, would want us to be part of his family in the first place. But he does. Ephesians chapter three, Paul says, I pray that you may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love. Write down the words wide, long, high, and deep because God's love is wide enough to cover everything, long enough to last forever, high enough to overlook your mistakes, deep enough to handle any problem you may be facing. That's God's love. And I could go on and on. But that's God's love for you. And it's not based on what you have done or who you are, the fact that you showed up today for church. It's based on who he is. Very simply, in 1 John 4, 8, it says God is love. So his love for you is based not on your performance, but on his character. God loves you because that's who he is. It's based on his character. It's, it's, it's no matter what you do, you cannot cause God to love you any more or any less than he does right now. Having experienced and received God's love through faith in Christ. It's important for us to understand God wants us to not just keep that love to ourselves, but to share it. It's a love worth demonstrating. First John four, verse 11, read this with me. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's right. God has demonstrated you his love. He wants you to demonstrate it to others. What I want to do is I want to share with you how by looking at a very familiar story, the story of the good Samaritan. In this story, of course, a traveler is going down a road from Jerusalem to Jericho where he gets mugged, beaten, stripped and left for dead. On that same road, though, are three other people who happen upon the crime scene. But these three people respond in different ways. They have three different responses that reflect three different attitudes. 
And each of these three attitudes are attitudes you can have as an individual, even in one day at different times of the day. But I want to share these attitudes with you because these are going to determine how you are going to act toward the people around you, whether you know them or they're complete strangers and whether you will reflect a love worth demonstrating. And the first attitude is this attitude that's called keep your distance attitude. This is reflected by the priest in the story. Jesus says in Luke 10 verse 31, a priest happened to be going down that road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So he has this avoidance attitude going on. You avoid people, okay, otherwise they may need you. You keep your relationships superficial or you might have to get invo- be involved in their hurt and pain. You're my wife Carla and I, we have a fantastic neighbor. Great neighbors, know most of them by name. But I can go for days without seeing them. I mean, I might see them get in their car or cut the lawn, but it's just kind of... That's kind of how it is. And my point is that there are people who make this attitude a lifestyle. Keep your distance. Keep people out of sight, out of mind. That's out there. A second attitude that's out there is the curious but uninvolved, reflected by the Levite, which is a temple priest. Well, kind of a temple assistant, but you know what I mean. So in the story, Jesus says, so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So we have two very religious people, but that doesn't make any difference because you can be very religious, go to church every weekend and still not reflect the love worth demonstrating. And I know it's tempting to think, well, I would never have done that. I wouldn't have done what that Levi did. Shame on him. I wouldn't have done that. But every time you see a need, every time you see a need and and all you do is talk about it. You are no different than that Levite who stared but didn't stop. So that's another attitude that's very real and that's out there. You see the need, but you just, ooh, I'm staying out of that one. Third attitude is the treat others the way I want to be treated. So, yeah, the people you see at work, the people you see at school, the people, you, your coaches, your teachers, the people in your neighborhood, uh, the people who serves you, the person who serves you at Applebee's or the person who checks out your groceries at Giant Eagle, you can treat those people the way you want to be treated. That's an attitude you can have. In the story, Jesus says, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. Jesus throws a curveball into this story by introducing a Samaritan as the hero. A Samaritan was a person who came from an ethnic group that was hated by the Jews. But Jesus uses this guy to demonstrate love. And from the Samaritan, what we pick up are are four things that each and every one of us can do. To reflect, to help us reflect the love worth demonstrating. So, number one, you can be sensitive to the needs of others. This involves seeing the needs of the people around you. You gotta be alert. You gotta be looking. So really, love involves, first, the eyes. In the story, Jesus goes on and says, when the Samaritan saw him, okay, saw him. You're not going to meet any needs if you don't see the needs. And there are people with needs all around you, people who are wounded by grief or betrayal. But sometimes you don't see those needs. And it's not because you're you don't care. It's because I think sometimes you get too busy like me. If I get to the airport two hours early, I got time. And if I got time, I can be nice. I can be nice to the person at the ticket counter. Have a great day. I can be nice to the TSA agent and their little puppy dog over there. Although I'll stay away from the dog. I can be nice to the to the people who are giving me my food and drink. I can be nice. Why? I've got time. 
But if I'm late and I'm running to catch my flight and I have literally done that, I'm sorry, but I won't have time for you. That's what busyness does. It kills kindness. And the busier you are, the less loving you will be. You won't be able to love your kids or your spouse or your parents or your coworkers or classmates or anybody if you're too busy to see what they might need. So you ask God, right? You ask God, help me to see people the way you see them, Lord. Ask God to help you be on the lookout, have your radar on so you can see people who might need your help or encouragement or care or kindness. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, read this with me. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. So a love worth demonstrating involves sensitivity. It means using the eyes. Second thing you can do is you can sympathize with their pain. So don't just be looking for people and their needs. Be willing to feel what they feel. In Romans 12, it says, mourn with those who mourn. In Jesus' story, he says that the Samaritan felt pity for the the guy who got mugged. So love involves not just the eyes, but I would argue also the ears. The more you listen to people and their needs, the more you're going to be able to sympathize with those needs. You'll know what they're going through. And that's something every human being wants. They want to be understood and they want to be validated. Right? They want you to say, yeah, boy, that's rough. I'm sorry. I can feel your pain. They want to be understood and validated. That happens when you listen. The more you listen, the more you can sympathize. The more you sympathize, the more you reflect a love worth demonstrating. See how that works? Third thing you can do, you can seize the moment to help. Don't delay, don't wait, but you act in that moment. So, love involves not just the eyes and the ears, but I would also say love involves spontaneity. In the story, Jesus goes on and says, the Samaritan went to him. That phrase, went to him, implies a spontaneous act on the part of the Samaritan. And from the Samaritan, we learn a couple of things about spontaneity. The first thing is that spontaneity means using what you have. In the story, the Samaritan uses what he has. He has, he goes to him, bandages his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Why did he use oil and wine? That's what he had. He didn't have a first aid kit. The wine was used, the alcohol in the wine was used as a disinfectant, the oil to soothe the wounds. And when he bandaged his wounds, what does he use? Well, he didn't have a box of Band-Aids. And he certainly couldn't use the clothes of the guy who was wounded because those were stripped and stolen. So he probably took off his own shirt and wrapped around a bloody arm or a bloody leg. And it probably ruined the shirt. But he used what he had. And I know it's easy for us to think, oh, I can't get involved. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a professional. But think about it. Can you hold the hand of somebody who's in pain? Can you pray for somebody who's hurting? See, just be willing to use what you have. Second, spontaneity also means being willing to be interrupted. Demonstrating love takes time and it messes up your plans. And the Samaritan could have said, oh, I can't help this guy. I've got an important business meeting to go to. Or he could have said, oh, I can't help this guy. I'm unemployed. I got my own problems. Or he could have said, that guy's too far gone. I can't help him. There's no help for that guy. You ever come up with an excuse to not help or love? Probably did. That lady at the office, she's crazy. She's hopeless. I can't help her. 
That guy who lives down the street, he's a jerk. I am not wasting my time on him. See how easy it is? Boy, I'm just coming right up. They're just rolling off my tongue. Just, it's easy to come up with excuses. But look at what it says here in Galatians 6.10. Read this with me. Whenever we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. Notice that first word. Whenever. Even if it's inconvenient. Even if it means being interrupted. Third, spontaneity also means moving against your fears. The good Samaritan could have been afraid. He said, I'm not stopping. There might be other robbers down the road. He could have said, I'm not stopping. They'll, people will think I did that to him. He could have said, I'm not stopping. I could just make things worse. See how fear works? Boom, just like that. It can just deflate your ability to reflect a love worth demonstrating. I know I probably should help my coworker with this project, but what if they get offended? Or, yeah, I, I, I should definitely ask my neighbor for help because I, I know I can help that person. But, but what if they don't want my help? I'm going to feel so dumb. See how fear works? It just it, it freezes you into doing nothing. Proverbs 3.27 says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. So if you know of somebody who just got fired or just lost a loved one or just endured a miscarriage... Or is sick or is needing assistance. You don't wait. You act. That's three. You seize the moment to help. That reflects a love worth demonstrating. Fourth thing you can do is to spend whatever it takes. So love involves the eyes, the ears, spontaneity, and then I would also say sacrifice. Love always involves a cost. It may be a sacrifice of your time or your energy, or it may involve a sacrifice of your reputation or some money. But genuine love, okay, a love worth demonstrating involves sacrifice. And, of course, the greatest example of that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8. Read this with me. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God was willing to pay whatever it would take so that we could belong to him again because it was worth it. So he paid the price. He allowed Jesus to be nailed to a cross so that everybody everywhere as a gift of his grace through faith could be forgiven and saved. And again, why? Because it was worth it. It was a love worth demonstrating. In the conclusion of the story, Jesus goes on and he says, Then the Samaritan put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So the Samaritan puts the, the guy who was mugged on his donkey, which means the Samaritan is now walking. The Samaritan takes him to a motel, nurses him through the night, and then the next day, at great personal expense, provides for the guy's additional care. Question, what did that Samaritan gain from doing all of that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He just did it because it was a love worth demonstrating. It was worth it. Whenever you... Reflect a love worth demonstrating. It'll not only honor God. It'll not only fill your heart with joy. But I guarantee it'll help point that person to Jesus. That makes it worth it. That makes it a love worth demonstrating. So in 
let me just wrap things up by sharing not some action steps, but some key practices. And we're going to be introducing these key practices to you again and again. But the goal is to get you to practice these practices, hence the name. But the, the goal is to get you to do these so that you can become more alert to the needs of the people around you and help them exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. So these are in the form of questions. First key practice, how am I connecting with God? Every day, just be checking in on yourself and say, you know, did I even say hi to God today? Did I, did I pray to him? Did I take some time in, in his word today? Have I given him praise today? How am I connecting with God? Second, how am I following God's lead? Am I sensing God's guidance and making wise decisions? Am I following his lead to be generous? Am I following his lead to be humble? Right? How am I doing today? Am I living like Jesus or am I living like the devil? How am I doing? Third question, how am I loving others? Be looking out and for opportunities to see people who might be in need. Look for those. Be alert to those. And then be willing to, and how are you at being willing to be interrupted or even to sacrifice for them for the, to meet those needs? October 5th is Servant Saturday. And I, and I hope you join me and hundreds of others as we go out into our community and be the hands and the heart of Jesus because we have a love worth that, that worth, worth demonstrating, right? So I hope you join us. If you haven't signed up, sign up. They're on the tables there by the windows out in the, that lobby area. And that's a great day to show a love that is worth demonstrating. But how are you loving others today or tomorrow? Each day. How are you, how are you doing? Are you loving people? And then the fourth question, how am I restoring relationships? If we're going to have contagious Christian community, relationships are an integral part of community. So are those relationships being constantly restored as they get damaged? Because we do that. So are you quick to ask for forgiveness when you've wounded somebody? Are you quick to forgive somebody else who's wounded you just like God has forgiven you? Are you putting the best construction on what other people do? How are you? Each day, ask yourself those four questions. Now, that's a lot to remember. So we're going to provide these stickers for you. And you'll be able to pick one of these up in just a minute. I'll explain it in a second. But each of these stickers, you can put them on a, a little tumbler. You can put it on a mirror. You can put it on your laptop, your inside cover, your Bible. Put it somewhere where you'll see it. And each day, just be reminded of those four things that will help you help others exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. Why? It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for your love in Jesus. Help us to be quick to realize that this is a love worth demonstrating. And as we reveal your love to others, may they experience that joy and peace and hope and power that we experience. And that comes from exchanging everyday life for contagious Christian community. Bless us, Lord. Bless us as a congregation as we seek to do this. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.